0: Welcome to Blue Royalty, a London is Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. I'm joined today by Nick Fellaini, fresh out of Thanksgiving. It's been a while, Nick. How's it going?
1: I just I just uh, uh, came came alive from the Thanksgiving food coma, which is great. It's the best holiday of the year in America for sure, and. Yeah, we were talking a little bit before this, Jesse. I feel like you guys need to adopt this one thing from from the culture and bring it forward because there is nothing better than a pre-Christmas holiday.
0: Yeah, I feel super jealous. Like, the fact that you guys just get to do Christmas before Christmas, literally like a month before, I don't, I don't understand how it's allowed, uh, but I'm... <laughs> i want it i want it over here because i'm really at the point where i'm like i'm ready to dig into just all of the sport actually i think maybe part of my jealousy is coming from the fact this was chelsea's last game now until the 10th of december chelsea women's team's last game until the tenth of December. The only chelsea i want to watch yeah. <laughs> um so i feel like yeah i i'm just like oh no yeah, i'd be ready to roll through at this point um but yeah, I we're gonna be here today. We're gonna talk about the 5-2 win over Leicester, heading into that international break, still unbeaten, still top of the WSL. But Nick, we've not had you on Blue Royalty for a while. What have you been making of the gals from from your little perch on the other side of your
1: <laughs> from my from my little perch? Um look, I, I mean it's it's a lot more fun. They they've brought me light in in a period of darkness, uh, which I think is is great. And look, I mean, obviously the the Emma storyline is the predominant storyline this year. You know, I mean, you had someone as reserved as LJ saying w- what we do this year is going to be, you know, in service of of her. You have Sam kind of making funny comments in the in the pre match presser uh, for for Thursday's match. I mean, there, it, it feels like this this is going to go one of two ways. It's either going to be the fairy tale ending that everyone had hoped for, or it's going to be something different and probably not as fun but it, the vibes are good all around this team right now despite everything going on and terrible refereeing and I thought that uh you know I of course listened to the Madrid review that you and Yaz did and it just made me angry all over again wow. so yeah my head was hot my
0: yep. head was like do remind me do remind me
1: <laughs> but yeah it's I, I you know I'm the games are are, uh, are pretty early over here. There's been a quite a few 6.30 a.m. kickoffs, which is not not ideal for uh, for your boy. But you know what? We get up, we do it anyway, and I'm happy to be back on the show.
0: Yeah, we love to see it. Um, This is our 5-2 win over Leicester that we're going to be going through today. Um, goals coming from Lauren James in the second minute. I'm going to give this one in the fifth minute to Lauren James. Totally. I know Courtney never known goals. It's on buckle. frame. <laughs> yeah, like That's right. what I
1: don't understand. Come it was on, on. frame.
0: Come on. Jutta Rantala got one back in the 26th. Sam Kerbus 3-1 up in the 40th. Sam Tierney brought it back to 3-2 in the 44th. Guys, at this point, I was sitting at Meadow Park. I'd been sent to the Arsenal game. Oh, my God. I was thinking this was a mistake for my editor to send me to the Arsenal game. I knew it before kickoff. I can't lie. But, I mean, they made it just about as dramatic as possible to make the proof in the pudding there. But... LJ, we, what should have been a hat-trick, made it 4-2 in the 58th, and Aggie Beaver-Jones in the 88th. I feel like this Chelsea team this season, Nick, is just like, it's never going to be boring. And no. there's always going to be goals. And I, for one, I'm kind of enjoying it.
1: Yeah, it's it's boring is, is not the operative word of this team. It, it may be... Uh, nail biting at times it may be uh unconventional perhaps but uh when they i mean it it's still a thing to behold like when they decide to to go out and turn it on it's just an onslaught and you know we'll, we'll get into the tactical matchup and i think you know lester choosing to you know be their kind of uh own demise today with the, with the way they played us but you know, it's very clear that Chelsea were prepared for this match. They understood what was going to happen. They had a game plan to go against it. And five goals later, it could have been eight. You no know, problem. I mean, that's that's this team. They, scoring is not the issue.
0: Yeah, definitely. And actually, I'm going to roll you straight into your three-word match review because, not to spoiler alert, but I actually can see it in the script. So it I might feel like it fits with... Exactly what you're just saying there. So go on. You you hit me with yours and I'll go with mine.
1: Yep. Leicester's press broken. It was insane. I don't know why they did it, but it was a lot of fun.
0: <laughs> Welcome to Leicester in the WSL. Uh, I'm going with butt clench finish because I was freaking out a little bit um, in terms of how this game was going in the Blue Royal team WhatsApp group, Ollie Glanville was saying, Don't worry, we got this. Ollie was right, the way he always is. But there's something specifically about, I think, when you're watching what I guess I normally go and watch Chelsea live. I think this is the second Chelsea game I've missed all this season. And there's something about when I'm not there that makes me feel extra, extra anxious. And I was freaking out towards the end, but. It was fine. Ollie was right. Always trust Ollie. Let's talk about the lineups in this game. So Chelsea making quite a few changes from, from that win against Paris. Um, the notable ones, Mielder came in for Buchanan, Perisay came in for Lawrence, Ingle came in for Nuskent, and Kirby came in for Fleming. Other than that, it is this pretty familiar format that we're now seeing throughout the season, Nick. I guess the only thing that I want to ask is, it's still a lot of changes okay it's a midweek game but how much do you think this rotation is maybe contributing to some of these more nervous moments
1: definitely is I mean you know you're you're in this period and obviously post international break you'll get another period of of you know back to back to back to back fixtures and one, there's too much talent in the team not to rotate. Uh, this team is incredibly deep. It's built that way for a reason. So you should be able to rotate without maybe as many nervy moments. But two, you know, the, the worst thing you can do at this point in the season, I think this is what Emma's trying to avoid because we've seen this happen with Chelsea teams before, you don't want to burn out your best players in November when nothing is on the table to be won. You, you want everyone as fresh as they can be in March, April, and May because that's winning time. That's when Chelsea really do turn it up and go to another level. And to be able to rotate, especially against Leicester, you know, I'm uh, Leicester historically not a great team in the WSL, a little bit better this year, obviously. But, like, you should be able to rotate three, four, five players, right? You know, and, and be fine. And at the end of the day, we were fine. It was just not maybe as uh, straightforward 7 as 8 we're as we're used to beating them.
0: Yeah and I think something that's interesting here as well is it's you take the pain now which is that you you have these relationships that are still being built because of the amount of rotation and that allows you in March say to rotate and not have that pain and the fact that we're still winning these games I think is what makes that kind of thing worth it um but it is a risk and I think we saw today like how that risk can be taken but I totally agree. I think Hayes and Chelsea have been burnt before by going all in on a certain team and then that team not being able to make it through the number of games they have. And I think actually being in a position where there's 15 or so players who are ready to come in and be able to perform at the level and have the relationships they need to have is is a massive boost. But like, also even still saying that, you know, we're we're still missing players through injury. Obviously, Wrighton is someone we know is going to be potentially mm-hmm. out. I assume till January, maybe. Melly lloyd Polts pictured in training. Don't know where she is. Elaine Shankovich, totally disappeared. Um, but something I also want to touch on before the game actually kicked off, which I think caught a lot of people's attention, is that Sam Kerr got the captain's armband, and. Sam Kerr had the captain's armband against Paris. But Maren Mielder didn't start that game. And Marin had the armband against Liverpool. So, are we thinking Sam's got a promotion? I think there's so much ability for imaginations to run wild at this point about what this may or may not mean about contracts. I personally think you could push it both ways. As I saw someone point out on Twitter... Our captain literally left us at the end of last season. So I don't think having the on has to mean much, but it's an interesting shift because I can't imagine Maren Mielder just pissed off Emma Hayes in training.
1: No, no, no. I, I, I think this is a, um, it might be a promotion in leadership, right? I don't, I don't know if it means anything beyond that, but you, you really take a look at what Sam has done for Australia and the way that she's led that team. And you look at the way that, you know there are a ton of leaders in this Chelsea team. I mean, you go down the the stack. I mean, the fact that Aaron Cuthbert wasn't one of the people given the armband today after like four or five changeouts was, you know, I think just indicative of how deep this team is with leadership, right? But you know, I, I obviously Sam, captain Thursday hat trick, uh, that worked. Uh, it's pretty good. She's been captain again before, and I think this is a a person who. Maybe, maybe this is unfair to Marin, who we all love. But maybe Sam's just a little bit more dynamic on field presence, a little bit more fun personality for the team to rally behind. Obviously, Millie has that in spades as well. Um, so maybe it's just kind of a more like for like captaincy, if you will. You know, if Millie's going to be out for some time, maybe you're looking for for that sort of personality to lead the team forward. I, again, I don't want to. There's no bad-mouthing Marin Mielda here, but um, that's that's maybe my thought in it. I, again, if she signed a new contract, I think we'd all be thrilled, but I don't know if the two things are necessarily linked together, you know?
0: Yeah, the thing that you are now freaking me out on is that Millie out for long term, therefore need to think about who our actual captain is. So thank you for adding that into the mix. Uh, In terms of the I'm
1: conditioned to expect the worst with all Chelsea Football Club things now. No,
0: I I think that's more than fair enough, especially given what um, somebody was supposed to be captain or is captain on the men's side did over Mm -hmm. the weekend. Um, Let's run through some of the stats here then quickly. 16 shots for Chelsea, 11 for Leicester, seven on target for us, six for them. 60-40 possession. But I think what's really clear here that I want to pick out from these stats Nick is this 77% pass accuracy for Chelsea normally we see us hitting around the 80% mark 70% is not bad like don't get me wrong Leicester were on 69% but I just think that speaks to what we saw today which is that so much of the game was conditioned by this really tough Leicester press
1: yeah, I mean, it, it was really interesting to watch because, like, there there have been a lot of approaches over the years to try and beat Chelsea, right? Some are more of the Brighton model, which is sit as deep as you possibly can and maybe get a lucky break or the ball falls your way and it's an own goal, basically try and luck your way into it. Leicester tried to take it to us, right? And I, again, I thought that was a brave, uh, if not dumb strategy, um, because Chelsea do have the quality and the technical ability to break a press. We did it multiple times. Um, but it, you know, uh, credit to Lester, I, I texted the group chat as we were kind of starting the game. I was like, surely this can't keep up for 90 minutes. And, and frankly, they did. I mean, that was, a, it was a really impressive bit of, of stamina from that team to come out and try and, you know, punch Chelsea in the mouth. They didn't do it effectively, um, all the time, but it did make Chelsea's job of passing out of the back a lot harder you did see akb go over the top uh, a little bit more frequently than maybe we have in the past and almost break them that way by kind of foregoing the press altogether which is a way to break it obviously so it was uh it was a bit of a, a chess match between uh a duo's favorite willie kirk and, and emma hayes to see kind of which one would would come out on top from a tactical battle i think at the end of the day chelsea just had better players thus we won
0: yeah and i think to be fair so, Leicester, if you sort of look at the underlying numbers, IXG is coming out right now. Sometimes these numbers straight up to the game do change a little bit, but it's coming out right now as we had 2.08 and they had 1.01. Um, That's the third highest of teams expected goals against us has been this season after West Ham and Spurs. So, you know, I think we're going to get onto this, maybe like how open we can be in some of these games, but they've also reduced us to their second least chances after Everton. Um. This season, so.
1: My prevailing thought when I watch this game, because not many teams in the Premier League, sorry, the FAWSL, are able to do this, right? Like, not many teams just decide they're going to go hammer and tongs at Chelsea and, like, take it all the way to the limit, and they don't really care if they win, but they're going to try and win the physical matchup. I really hope we play Leicester before we play someone like Barcelona in the future, because I think it's a really great warm-up for that sort of intense press, you know, teams trying to win the ball back up a little bit higher. Our center backs have to be better passing out of the back in those situations. And you saw some fumbles today, some nervy moments where they weren't quite sure where, you know, Sophie Ingle or Aaron Cuthbert was going to be in the midfield to link up play, or they weren't, you know, because Lauren James drops back deeper sometimes, like she wasn't a present, you know, kind of left wing Uh, you know uh, sort of figure out there all the time in the same spot so there's a lot of work I think that could come out of this game for Emma Hayes and the way that you know we prepare for something a little bit more intense in the future and so yeah credit to Lester for uh, for doing that because uh, we're going to need it at some point.
0: Yeah I totally agree and I think it's also really interesting to think about how that Hindered Leicester at points as well, and also how they came back into the game. I think it, I I totally agree. I think they're a really worthwhile teams play against, and I think it's really clear what Willie Kirk wants them to do. And I think it's also something that I respect them for doing, regardless of the opposition, because I think you can see why it will get them points against teams who aren't Chelsea, for example. But we Definitely. will get into the game itself after this. So Nick, we've basically kicked off this. Episode, understandably, talking about in some ways the fact that Leicester caused Chelsea issues. But the absolutely bonkers thing is, is that after five minutes, I thought we were going to steam through to an eight nil win like we normally do against Leicester because we were two 0 up from two basically Lauren James goals. I'm going to give them both to her.
1: Absolutely,
0: it was an incredibly fast start. We pushed them on their playing out from the back. We were winning the ball back and we were having Lauren run through and in a way that I, I just really want to give Lauren a lot of credit for, finishing off her dinner, which is something that I have been waiting for. And we're really living in this world where like in front of goal right now, she just looks like she cannot stop scoring.
1: Well, the goal looks a mile wide to her. I mean, she's putting the ball right on the far post. She's chipping the goalkeeper you know, who's who's on rushing. Like, she's making correct decisions all over the field. And what I, I want to give credit to Emma for this because it was clear, you know, it's been clear all year this way that Leicester were going to play, right? They were going to come out super strong and try and do something exactly like what Chelsea did, which is get an early goal and try and frustrate the other team. And instead, we were more than prepared for it. You saw that through ball that was played for, for LJ's first goal. It was inch perfect. I mean, it couldn't have been a, a more inch perfect ball. And then, of course, her speed and talent take her by the defender, and she slots on the first one. Two minutes later, you know, basically the same thing happens over the top. She gets her second one, and it was her goal. Absolutely, it was not an own goal. Um, so in my mind, she had a hat trick today and uh, deserved that. Uh, but th- this was... Very Mike Tyson, everyone has a plan to like get punched in the face um, sort of vibes for me, which is like Lester knew what they were going to do. And five minutes in, they basically like conceded two goals and conceded a really easy other chance that we didn't uh, convert. And you're like, oh, boy, how bad is this going to be? Are you going to continue playing this press? after five minutes, are you going to try and revert to another strategy? I mean, that was, that was the big question in my head was, you know, they come through all excited and trying to win at King's Meadow. And then uh, five minutes later, it kind of is out the window.
0: Yeah, but it wasn't out the window. This is what's crazy. And, And I think this is the big question for Chelsea, because I totally agree with what you were saying before we like, went to the break and stuff about how important it is for Chelsea to play teams like this. And I do think it is a net benefit of being in the WSL that you get to play teams who have more interesting strategies other than just sitting in a deep block, because I think that would be boring if we played that every week, but I've got to give credit to this Mm -hmm. Leicester side, because I mean, if I had been absolutely ripped apart, like, twice like that in the first five minutes, I would be ready to get back on the coach to the Midlands. But they stuck with it, and they got back into the game, like, pretty quickly, I've got to say. Like, within sort of, you know, like, we scored two in the first five minutes. By 15, 20 minutes, it definitely felt like Leicester were pushing up the pitch. They were having opportunities. Do you feel like this was... Chelsea taking their foot off the pedal, being complacent with being two goals up? Or, or was this pure Leicester game plan? Because I, w- I couldn't really figure out. I, I felt like if I was Emma, my what I would have said to the players was like, get your heads in the game a little bit. But I don't want to discount what Leicester were actually doing.
1: Uh, the boring answer and the correct answer is that it's a little bit of both, right? I mean, this is a team that you've beaten seven nil and eight nil last year right again it's a whole different team you know relatively new manager new approach and of course they're they're a much different team this year than they have been right but i also think chelsea you know play you play midweek against paris it's a emotionally charged game uh, even though we did end up winning four one and this is right after it. And you're, and it probably was annoying as shit to play against. It was probably like, you know, you go from that emotional high and Sam Kerr hat trick and all that sort of stuff to having to be harried and chased all over the field by a team that you're used to beating. And I think there is a little bit of like mental complacency that can happen. There some frustration because you don't play this style a whole lot, right? And teams maybe city of previous years would be able to pull this off just like from a pure athlete's perspective, this doesn't happen a whole lot and where Chelsea are, are being physically challenged in a way that they may or may not win. Um, and so I think it was probably a little bit of, of both things happening, you know, maybe a little fatigue, mental, maybe a little fatigue, physical. And, you know, again, credit to Lester for sticking to their guns because, you know, I think, You and I would have reevaluated our whole game plans, like you said, after five minutes, and they simply didn't. I mean, they, they, they were, you know, they, they said we're if if we lose this way, we're going to lose this way, and that's okay.
0: And that is why we run our mouths off on podcasts rather than being football managers. And I mean, they stuck to it, and look, they got a goal from it, pretty like soon after. Halfway through that first half, the first time Chelsea have ever conceded against Leicester. Shout out to Harry Edwards uh, for that stat. For me, Nick, and I don't want to be harsh, but this was all on Jess for me. Jess stepping out, she doesn't win the ball, they go past her, the whole defence has to shift as a result, and that leaves Rantahala free. It's a great finish, but She has the opportunity to run onto that ball unchallenged because understandably, you know, we're playing this quasi back three, back five type thing. You know, it's understandable that JRK hasn't tracked back. We can't rotate our defense that quickly if, if someone is stepping out. And I think what's really key in understanding this is what Jess was doing feels to me like something Millie would normally do.
1: But Mm. Millie is
0: maybe more confident in that's what she's doing. And I think for all that Jess has really grown as a centre back in the past 18 months, two years, I don't think anyone's in doubt that she's not a leader in that back line. That's why we've got Maren sitting there alongside her. But I think it's very clear she feels very different when she's playing with Maren versus when she's playing with Millie. And I think. This was case in point on that.
1: Yeah, it, it was weird because she was the only one to really step up in that moment. Usually, you know, the whole back line will step up together to kind of make sure that they kind of stay as a unit. And she was so clearly the one that was forward there that it left that huge gap behind her, right? And even with Marin back, even with Neve back, it was just, I mean, there was too much space to recover, essentially. And one, if you're going to, you know, like you said, maybe maybe it's confidence that if you're going to commit to that challenge, you better take the player with you, right? Because otherwise that's what happens. You you leave that gap and it's almost a, a gift of a goal. But two, I just wonder if if maybe that was a mental error for her to step at that moment. Like, you look at the way the rest of the team is positioned And it's just, it doesn't feel like they were meant to do that at that moment. And especially because Lester were moving forward through midfield with a little more ease than I uh, had liked uh, for most of the game, which was a a whole other thing that we'll talk about. It it felt like maybe that was a a little bit of a desperation move to try and win the ball back, which I don't know if that's tactically what Emma was going for there.
0: Yeah. And I think that also like speaks to the, this idea that like when you've got, these rotations going on, some of which are enforced. Obviously, just not playing with Millie is not something that Ever can control. But yeah, having a midfield that's maybe less dynamic, you know, compared to the midfields we've had, which have been, I mean, literally, Harry and I, when we were doing Paris Review, we were talking about how dynamic a midfield Cuthbert, Nuskin, and Fleming was. And that's going to change when you've got Cuthbert, Ingle, and Kirby, you know. You're going to expect Kirby to push up more, which she was doing, especially because of how LJ was dropping here, there, and everywhere. Um, and you're going to expect Ingle to sit more, but probably be a little bit more passive when it comes to winning the ball back. So it's kind of understandable then that you've got someone like Jess wanting to step up. But I think exactly like you say, you have to either win that tackle or just make the foul at that point, like if that's the decision you've made. Because once you've been bypassed, there's really nothing your defense can do. Like everything's going to happen too quick, especially in a team like Leicester, where because of their recruitment, which I think has been really strong, if players get onto the ball in those kind of areas, they will they will make finishes like Rantala did, um, and it, it was a good finish ultimately at the end of the day.
1: It, yeah it was a great finish um she had one that she sprayed um t- in a much different direction later on, which I think was was more lucky for us. but you know again, that was off another turnover in midfield and they had that was a pretty consistent theme throughout the days. We did not feel confident taking the ball through midfield as much as we're used to um so you know and you think about the way that you know our fullbacks play they're they're wide uh, you know, so there's not a whole lot of like shrinking cover inside you're not you're not getting neve trying to fill in as that center back role because she's basically out on on the sideline i mean this is a team that loves to play with width and so you make one of those critical mistakes and it's gonna cost you i mean marin you know her her most athletic days at this point are behind her she's still an amazing tactical player and knows where to be but she can't be two on one either like that's just a no-win proposition for her so yeah, the whole thing was a blunder and it wasn't the only one that we had. It was a, it was kind of a tough day from a passing perspective, especially passing out of the press at times. And while the team did finally figure it out, it you know, again, it wasn't easy that, you know, Leicester made this hard work and that's a huge credit to them.
0: Yeah, 100 percent. And I think that sort of left us at 2-1 where, I mean, I definitely felt like, Things think closer to sort of 2-2 than 3-1, but it didn't quite go that way. Um, We'll take another break here and then we'll get into what happened after this. So even though Leicester were all over us, I think actually throughout this game, I've got a bit of fan mentality here where obviously you almost feel more nervous about the things that are going against your team than are going for them. And we did create more chances and we actually had a goal ruled out for offside. Like, uh, around this point in the game, that I think I think would have made it three one, um, and then we actually did make it three one. And this goal was a Samco goal, but it's all about Neve Charles. Um, absolutely fantastic from her. Ball comes out to her on that left hand side, and she just looks like she was driving in her car, and she realised she had a sixth gear to go into, and she just went past Courtney Nevin, cut it back to Sam, who who finished it off. And I, we've been waiting for a while. neve has got three assists very quickly in this league. We've been waiting for a while for her fourth, but she's just been so intrinsic to everything that we've been doing and attacking since this year, Nick. And I'm just going to, encompass in this neve Charles Lovin that I'm expecting us to have she almost very quickly after this scores our fourth as well from the exact same kind of room
1: into the box she is very clearly the player of the season so far I mean it's it's her and and nobody else basically for me I mean it's it's been remarkable to see how she's you know we, we talked all off season about you know, who's gonna play left back because Lawrence gonna make the switch over, or is you know gonna make the switch, or is Jess Carter gonna play this hybrid left back, left center back thing? Like, uh, you know, we've seen before. Like, it it's so clearly her position now, and she hasn't had the benefit. You know, I think this goes overlooked of playing with girl and but once this year, twice maybe. Um, you know, so this is you know we we don't even have for me last year's flair of the season and girl writing out on this flank yet to really do the sorts of critical damage that I think we, we know can happen. And yet Neve is playing both left wing and left back week to week. And she is figuring out how to get into some really creative spaces. Some of her crosses in have been absolutely pinpoint perfect. They have been amazing. And this little, you know, kind of cut back to Sam is perfect if the ball gets to Sam, two yards out, I mean, it would take some screwing up to to that, you know, not have that ball go in the back of the net, right? So, I think just understanding. I've seen
0: Sam do it. I will say, I wouldn't,
1: wouldn't put it past her, and then she'll score one from thirty yards out, and you're yeah. like, how is this the same player? Um, but yeah, it is it is truly, uh, it is truly magnificent to watch her right now, and and she is, you know, again, I you, you look at these you know, all, all the talk of the international break, which we'll get to in a second. She has to start, you know, for, for England sooner or later, right? I mean, this is a player who, I I mean, right now is the, the best in the league for me, so.
0: Oh boy, if I see Rachel Daly anywhere near that left back, so I will be marching my way to Burton <laughs> to have a word with <laughs> Serena Wiegmann. But yeah, I totally agree. And I think that the Guru writing point is a really interesting one because I think Neve looks amazing in those first games with Guru. But I do wonder how much maybe that's really suited her in terms of having a left wing or a left channel, let's say, vacated by. Having LJ cut inside, which is what we've seen recently, or Jesse Fleming, who was doing it in some of the games. We've seen LJ sort of have a run of three games there. Jesse had a run of three games before. Both players who are going to move inside and just give Neve the run of it. It's interesting to think about what that looks like when Guru comes back, someone who's maybe more likely who want to stay on that side. But equally, I I actually just think Neve is genuinely capable of cutting inside herself if she wants to. And I think Guru is as well. Like, look, we saw Guru play as a 10 last year too. Um, And I actually think some of Guru's best performances came in those Champions League games where we saw her play in this weird sort of second striker role with Sam. So I think both of those players are capable of adapting. But it's been interesting, I think, to see Neve. Make that left side her own when Guru's not been around. Uh, despite Neve's efforts and Sam's finish putting us 3-1 up, we had to have, and I hope this is the only one. Our patented Anne Catherine Burger Madness of the Season. <laughs> not a great day for the Burger Cotter household, I have to say, on this one. In in real time, Nick, I thought she was lucky not to get a red for this i think on the rewatch i understand why it wasn't but you you've seen them given in the wsl and it is crazy she didn't get a yellow at the very least i am talking about her pulling this star shaped (laughs) attempt at winning the ball that had already gone past her and just taking out less to play in the process
1: yeah i mean uh one, it just she just put herself in the worst possible position. I don't understand. Like no one's coaching you to do that for sure. Um, usually you see them come out, hands basically on the ground, sliding to make a tackle or something like that, where they you know can't handle the ball outside of the box. And of course, yeah, I think Jess was running back, so she wasn't necessarily the last defender or anything like that. But it was. It was clumsy and it just didn't, you know, of course, didn't end up well because we concede off of the free kick, right? And I think it was an own goal. Um, but maybe it was credited to them, who knows? But it was it was wild that there wasn't a card. I certainly thought in real time it was red. upon reflection, it's probably a yellow, because I don't I don't think there is necessarily that like last defender kind of pull down denial of a goal scoring opportunity thing, but maybe. Yeah, maybe there's a Leicester fan out there yelling at me for saying that. I don't I don't know, but uh they score anyway. So I mean, that's a that's a ball don't lie sort of a moment for uh for AKB.
0: Yeah, my conclusion was that a red if, it, if a red had been given, I I think I'd have struggled to have many complaints. Yeah. Um it was really giving me flashbacks to that Spurs game 2 seasons ago where we really needed to win and we somehow came back to, to win, but it was exact same thing. AKB just rushing out of an area and taking a player out. Um, You totally see them given all the time. And and as you, you said, Nick, it, it led to their second and that, that made it 3-2. And yeah, I felt like at that point, Leicester couldn't be mad that AK, well, I mean, maybe they could have, maybe things would be different, we've gone down to 10. But as we say, I think, a yellow would have been fair. And given they got a goal out of it, they, they probably couldn't have been mad, but definitely going into half time, I was maybe a little bit surprised that Emma didn't change much. And I think this was a theme whereby I was surprised we waited so long to make changes because given the intensity of how Leicester were playing, and this is kind of what I said to you on the WhatsApp group when you were like, wow, can Leicester continue with this? I was like, well, we've seen them like fade off. And obviously the quality we're going to bring on is better. Were you surprised that we didn't make change at halftime? Or were you like, this is the right team we've got on the pitch. They're just not playing in the way they should be.
1: Yeah. I, I think Emma was probably looking for the fourth right just to go up comfortably two goals again or uncomfortably in this situation two goals um but you know again you look at sam is just getting fitness back right we know lj has struggled with fitness in her couple seasons at chelsea fran is just getting herself right neve has been playing her tail off all year and is just you know running up and down the flank relentlessly you you know, have a midfield where Erin Cuthbert looks like she was in a, a ten round boxing match from from the you know the last you know match against Paris and and the collisions and stuff like that. So my hope was that we were going to be able to be comfortable at halftime so that we could make some critical subs early because there's just a lot of matches that are going to be played, international break coming up, all this sort of stuff. And unfortunately, it didn't really happen that way. It was it felt. Like, you know, once we score the fourth, maybe it's comfortable, but it it really wasn't. I mean, there was still a lot of back and forth after that moment.
0: Yeah, definitely. And we kind of came up for the second half in the same way. I think we I think all of this game was just periods where we felt really in control and then we sort of lost our heads. And I think we came out in the second half and we sort of found ourselves in one of those ones where we were like, Okay, mm-hmm. we're we know we're better than this team and LJ puts us four two up. Great finish, lovely little chip. I only hope that she's learned that from Sam on the training ground. Should have been a hat trick, but, um, you know, at the time, still put her as a joint top scorer in the WSL, which is, yeah, for a player who I was like, oh, y- you take how amazing she is and accept that she's not going to be uh, an elite goal scorer is crazy. You know, six goals in eight games is Fantastic. And I'm really excited to see where she goes to next. But even then, that wasn't, there was still not a sense of control. No, no matter how, like, every time we got this two goal advantage, we'd still be like drawn back into this same pull of, okay, they felt like they could get something from us.
1: The, the, uh, again, I'll reference this. I think the chaos is good uh for Chelsea's like long term prospects. I, I think you have to, like, you, you can game plan for the chaos all week, all you want. You know, Emma can tell you it's going to be chaotic and that you shouldn't lose your head and all this sort of stuff. Until you do it and do it successfully a, a couple of times, I don't know if you're really prepared mentally to take on what the Barcelonas of the world can do against you or the Leons of the world can do against you, right, where you're, you're never really comfortable in a match until it's over. Um, and even then, you're probably not comfortable. So it's, I, I think, I, I don't hope for more of these, but I don't think they're necessarily a bad thing for Chelsea because you, know, you saw, you know again, this was a team that was kind of half subs, half starters. Everyone's getting a little bit of taste of the chaos, which I think is fantastic because you're just going to need to rely on these moments as you get into March, April, and May. I mean, it's just natural and... You know, again, if you if you think back, to the fact that we aren't necessarily thrilled with the five two result, I think this team has a huge uh, amount of upside that they can go, then capitalize on, and, and be better for.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I guess case in point in that was was some of the subs that when they did come on, like the impact they had. I, I want to shout out Shaganuskan, who I thought had a really fantastic cameo. I think it says a lot about her impact on the team that I was like oh, this feels like we're resting her today Mm -hmm. as opposed to being like, oh, you know, we're like rotating her out of the lineup. I was like, oh, I think if if we really needed to, we would have played her today because she's felt so essential. There was an absolutely gorgeous touch from her where she just cushioned the ball down off the outside. I think it was of her left foot. And this comes after in the, I only saw this after we did the, the Paris FCF so I've got a shout out here but there was a lovely little flick she did over a Paris defender in that game as well like oh Nick you've not been on for a while so please wax lyrical about the player we have in Shukunuskan
1: she is the real fucking deal (laughs) there is no doubt about it it is it's noticeable I think when her and Aaron are in midfield how different the midfield feels to me Um, they have different qualities and I think that makes them really interesting as a pair. But the fact that she has this sort of like calm slash destroyer vibe to her, but clearly has class on the ball. I mean, she is incredibly gifted in that regard. Like this is just a, you know, a Cadillac of a player um, to, to be very, to be very frank. I mean, it's, it's not only the touch; it's some of like the tactical positioning too that makes me excited for what she can do later in the season when she has a few more matches with the right group in her under under her belt necessarily. So, to me, I think this is a it's it's her and Lauren and Guru when Guru's able to get back and some of these players that you know are kind of the A plus tier that Chelsea have. Haven't all played together a ton this year, right? But when they do, you you're really really interested to see how that goes. And so I yeah again I think it's not just the hat trick a, a couple of weeks ago. It's it's everything. And I'm it's my favorite as as you will know as Abdullah will know. It's my favorite position to watch on the field. It's why I love Aaron so much because I love watching that sort of defensive midfield role and like what they do to link up the entire team. She is uh, she is incredibly special.
0: Yeah, I 100% agree, and I think it is going to be really interesting to see where exactly she ends up in this team. And I think something that's I don't I don't think this is something that will actually necessarily come to matter. But we did see that our first Anique now on minutes of the season also in this game and centre-back depth is something that Harry and I talked about a lot in the Paris game, but I do think it's worth remembering that Nuskin can and has played a full season there for Eintracht Frankfurt, and I think when you see the quality of her, okay, nobody maybe wants to end up having her play there, but if, for example, other players were to come back into full fitness, for example and we've seen, you know, LJ or Fleming playing out on one of those wings and having the opportunity to bring them both central, you know, there is room for Nuskin maybe to go back there. I don't know if it will happen, but with the way she plays technically versus Buchanan or Noun, it would still personally be my preference if it had to be a long-term option. But another sub that we have to talk about, Nick, is Aggie Beaver jones She was the one to make it 5-2. It had been Nervy, but this was the one that sealed the deal. She feels kind of unstoppable. Uh, Harry Edwards, and, and as soon as she scored this goal and I knew it was five and five, um, I was like, I I really want to know what the sort of records are on this. How, I didn't even have to ask. You know, I just thought it. And Harry obviously came up with the stat. Players to have scored in five plus consecutive WSL games for Chelsea. Frank Kirby across two seasons. Bethany England twice. Sam Kerr twice. Aggie Beaver Jones. It's it's kind of bonkers at this point.
1: I, I mean it, i I tweeted this out. Um it won. it's it's the most fun story we have to cover uh, by a mile, because this is a player that's been loaned out who I think in in preseason we all assumed would be loaned out again, just you look at the forward depth that Chelsea had when when everybody was healthy, and it's tough to see a spot where where she fits in. But you saw her play in that first preseason match. It's clearly a, a player with immense athletic ability and skill on the ball, rocketed a shot in from distance, and you're like, Wait a minute! What's who is this? What's happening? What's going on here? And every single chance that she's been given this year, she's impressed. Every single one. And you know, if you think about how many subs that Chelsea play, or how many chances you know players are allowed to rotate in for different players, like that doesn't always happen. <laughs> it does. I mean, she is she is doing something truly spectacular. She is taking her chance, and you will see at some point. Uh, you know, especially as as the fixtures pile up uh, and, and we get kind of closer to the festive period. I would bet Dollar Sedona she's going to get a start and that will be wholly deserved uh, for based on, on the way that she's playing. And even if she doesn't, I feel incredibly confident that when she comes in, she's going to do something positive, <laughs> which is, you know, again, like you think about the the depth that you need to take. You know, this team that has all of these ambitions, that wants to win everything, four trophies on the table this year, right? Clearly, you know, more than competing in the WSL, Conte Cup coming up, FA Cup coming up, Champions League in progress. Like, there's a lot of football to be played. And if she is one of those players that gets a spell, you know, really tired Lauren James or, you know, maybe... JRK comes off of, you know, the boil a little bit like it will be wholly deserved that she is in there and that is just a huge huge credit to staying mentally sharp while you're on the bench which has to be incredibly difficult to do.
0: Yeah, and I've got to give like insane credit for her as well for coming in and playing a million different positions. Like she came on in this game to play left wing. She scores the goal when she's been shifted into a striker role. This isn't somebody who's coming and playing certain positions as, like, she's not being drilled to come on for one player. Like, she is coming on doing whatever is required of her across that front line. Um, I know there was some, yeah, surprise about her not getting an England call up. I think it's understandable when she's not starting games. I, you know, I know. Maybe people look to Beth Mead and be like, oh, but she's not like been at the same level. I'm like, yeah, but it's Beth Mead. Like, unfortunately, she's coming, regardless of she's back, she's coming back from an ACL. I mean, she scored a magnificent goal today. She she's also done more than enough to justify, like, she will get called up, unfortunately. But like, if Aggie carries on playing like this, it it will come. It is fantastic. And I think right now it's just so worth enjoying because. Every time she scores in every game, like my mind's kind of blown because I just can't believe she's managed to reach this level so quickly. And who knows if it'll continue. Um, I don't think it needs to. Like, I don't think it matters. Um, she's just shown more than enough. Like, and I hope she takes in all the plaudits she's getting.
1: It's just joyful, though. I mean, like, more than anything, and it, it, this team is really serious. There's some incredibly talented hard-nosed winners within the team she seems so at ease about everything that's happening and so joyful in the way that you know she's being able to contribute to the team like she has to be a dream for Emma Hayes hey you want to go out on the right you want to go out on the left you want to go play central you want to play goalkeeper whatever like yep coach I got it I'll just run out there and do my job like I bet Sam. I bet Emma wishes there were more players like this on the team that were just able to, kind of nonchalantly do their job in in a way that makes a difference, a huge difference in the team. I mean, five five WSL goals already. I mean, if she gets to ten this year from the bench, can you imagine that. <laughs> I mean, it's within reach.
0: Yeah, I mean, like I've got to say, I don't think I've ever seen a player come in and have this impact on Chelsea. Oh, like not since someone like Frank Kirby. Like that's the only like real player that I can think of who's just sort of insanely hit the ground running at this age. You know, like obviously we've had, I mean, even Sam had a pretty fucking slow start, but you know, like when you have big players come in, I guess Peniela would be someone who I felt like came in and like she was obviously like really ready to be Affair with what this team represented and what needed to be done, but in terms of like age, it's it's like watching a Fran for me. And honestly, like, Fran had done a lot more in my opinion than Aggie had managed to do at this point. And I think that's really exciting in terms of being like, wow, like she's managed to make a step up in in a situation where I don't think anyone, no, no one, I will say, no one thought she was gonna perform like this um so cred saggy i love to see it and apparently the correct Aggie Aggie beaver jones chant was going around king's meadow even though i wasn't there today so we love to hear about it nick let's finish off with a quick player of the match i'm gonna go we've not really spoken about her i think because she scored two goals in the first five minutes and then a lot of stuff happened after this But I have to give it to LJ because I just am so, so impressed by the technical precision. Because I think she always had the technical level. But it was knowing when to use that to getting it on target when it mattered, that I felt I was missing and I think just in these last three games, we obviously had the hat-trick Liverpool. We had that amazing assist against Paris and what should have probably counted as a hat-trick here. Six goals and an assist in three games. It's... Uh, yeah. I feel like we've really, really unlocked her. And in a, in a time period where, again, we've not really talked about it, and maybe that says something, um, where France looked good, without looking decisive is what i will say um it's really exciting to see someone like lj stepping up and actually scoring the chances that are there
1: yeah i i agree with you i mean if you have a um, non-official but official hat trick you deserve player of the match obviously You, you made this point earlier and i think it is one interesting one to to watch when everybody is healthy and i'm really just looking at Grow and maybe Fran uh, as as the players who maybe aren't quite there yet, but where LJ plays after everyone is healthy is going to be fascinating. You, you mentioned this earlier that she's kind of tucking in a little bit more and almost playing. It you was know, a second striker behind Sam at at points. She you know did keep some width today, but you know not always. She was dropping back. She ended up on the right side at times. So I was like. Where are you supposed to be? Uh, but you know that's that's her mo. She does drop back and get the ball, and, and I think she uh, was incredible today. I'm I'm fascinated to see when we're at full strength what that attack looks like, and whether she does, you know, as as we talked about, you know, kind of before the season, whether she does kind of take up that number ten spot and kind of make that her own. It's gonna be interesting.
0: Yeah, I I some of the positions that LJ was hanging. Up, I was like. I hope this has been pre-planned. We've talked before about how, like, maybe she's just been given the free roll to do whatever she wants. And I'm actually, like, totally on board with that, especially when you've got someone like Neve who can just dominate that left side. But it was fascinating because she was, like, frigging alongside Erin for, like, large portions of that first half especially. And I think in a game where you're really struggling to keep possession, this has always been my thing, like, LJ's your possession cheat code. Mm. Like, you just move her to wherever you need to be. If you can't play out from the press, you move her as deep as you need to and put her on the ball because she's the best player in this Chelsea team still at picking up and going with the ball. So I'm I'm happy to see it and I'm enjoying it. Uh let's go through a quick run through of what else happened in the WSL. There was a 3-0 win from Arsenal against West Ham, which I was privy to. Arsenal were good in the. First half, they didn't do much in the second half, but they, they did look good in the first half. It sets out very nicely um, for our game after the international break against them. Jonas Idavar was very complimentary afterwards. Someone asked him what he thought about this Chelsea team this season. He said, it's the best Chelsea team I've seen in the WSL. I thought, oh, the mind games are beginning. <laughs> We've got two weeks to go until that game. Uh, United labor to a 2-0 win over Bristol City. Liverpool smashed Brighton 4-0. Everton beat Aston Villa 2-1 and Man City 1-7-0 over Spurs. So that puts us top still. 22 points. Arsenal three points behind us on 19. City below them 16. United on 15. At the bottom of the table, we've got Villa on 6. West Ham on 4. and Bristol City on 4. Nick, what's your perception on sort of the title race right now? It's I think it's a weird position to be in as we head into this international break because I do believe we have been quite clearly the best team but we don't have a massive advantage over the rest and the reality is we play Arsenal right after the international break and if we do lose that game we'll be sort of back to square one as it were.
1: Petition to the schedulers, can we stop after the international break with these games? Like, what what do you think is going to happen here? These, these aren't going to be teams that they're best or most sharpest right after an international break, like get it through your heads. If you want good football to be played uh, for a increasing TV audience that you see every week, make this happen at a different point in the season. Thank you um, for coming to my Ted talk. That is on scheduling in the WSL. What's interesting about Chelsea is you think about the last three years in particular playing Arsenal It's always felt at this point in the year that we needed to win this game, the first Mm -hmm. Arsenal game, to kind of Mm -hmm. claw back a little bit because we had slipped up early in the season. And this is the complete opposite of that. And so I guess my my, my one question for you is, do you think that this forces Arsenal's hand a little bit? Do you think they're going to be desperate, or do you think that they would take a draw in this game and and set it up for later in the season when we'll play each other again?
0: I think they would 100% take a draw. The Arsenal fans I've spoken to feel very confident, which I think is interesting. They feel like they're due a big win. I would disagree from watching them play, but I also (laughs) see how if you watch the way Chelsea play defensively, why you would think that. This isn't a team right now that is great, I think, at controlling games. or they're sacrificing a lot to go forward. Um... But I think it's going to be very interesting. I think that's a really, really good point. Um, I also think on the flip side, Chelsea are due a good performance at the Emirates. You know, lots of the talk around Arsenal playing at the Emirates is about they've they've spent a long time making this their home ground. I mean, they still look shit when they play there. Um, I've watched them play Liverpool and Villa there this season. They were rubbish in both games. Um they obviously lost against Wolfsburg. The only time I think I've really seen them play well against well there was against Bayern Munich. And equally, Chelsea are now going back to play their third game there. Obviously, the first one was that fake 3-2 win with the offside goals. Completely um, fake. We, ha- we had the 1-1 last season where I thought we were really, really poor and Sam Kerr bailed us out um, and some poor Arsenal finishing kept us in the game to allow Sam to play it bail us out i also think it's true for us that we we've gone and played there a lot of times and it'll be interesting to see how that affects us too but i'm also really shitting myself so (laughs) Uh,
1: (laughs) i i think it's interesting right like you even you, you look at where they are from a goal differential perspective like even if they do win this match and you know most of these matches are really close i mean they're one nil three two whatever sorts we'd still be on top of the table from a goal differential perspective and i don't think that given where we've been in previous years so late in the season having to claw something back and realizing that arsenal will eventually shit it down their leg which they normally do like i would feel pretty good about this i think i think they're gonna come out looking to win this one big and if they try and uh possess the ball i think in a on a bigger pitch right in a stadium with a ton of energy i think there's a huge uh chance that chelsea play some incredible counterattacking attacking football and bury him and that would be something that i would look at fingers crossed
0: yeah it's a very exciting game. Uh, and as I say, I'm really nervous about it. Um, it no is injuries. Back.
1: No injuries in the international break.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, after the international break. I mean, more for me. My, my worry is how quickly will the injuries heal? And obviously not wanting injuries. But um, yeah, given that we can't seem to ever get any answers of Emma, obviously Millie is a potentially unknown absentee. We don't know when Guru will be back. Melanie Leupold is, you know, again, no idea what's even going on there. So they're three players. So I'm like, it'd be really handy to have some idea of whether they'd be back for this crucial game against Arsenal. But I'm going into it. Assuming we won't have any of them. And, yeah, that that makes it a bit more nerve wracking. Um, but, yeah, that is the first game after the international break. On Sunday, the 10th of December, it's 12.30 kickoff in the UK, away at the Emirates. Then we have Hecken at Stamford Bridge on the 14th, Bristol away on the 17th, and Hecken away on the 20th. That takes us all the way to the end of 2023. Nick, thank you so much for joining me today on uh, on our little show.
1: 100%. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, obviously, lots of good football to be played this season. We know that this first part of the season is always the kind of uh, nice little preview of, of what can come and, and really Chelsea start turning on the uh, heat as we get into February, March, April. Uh, so stick with them. Let's see how the team develops. Let's see if these you know sorts of, you know, while, while these injuries are happening, if, if we get players who are stepping up and who can be key contributors into the future, uh, like Aggie is, uh, that's a huge, huge part of this beginning part of the season. If you're able to get results while you're doing it, all the better.
0: Yeah, and I will just add on to that. This is definitely one of the best Chelsea teams I've seen play at the start of the season. Uh, for all of the little things that still need to be worked out, oh my God, when this team goes forward with some of the players they've got up front finishing for them, I think is really, really exciting. Um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing where this develops we'll be with you throughout the international break we've got some fun stuff lined up so we won't be going anywhere you don't go anywhere either until next time Chelsea fans keep the blue flag flying high